You're listening to a presentation of Arising, a community of faith designed to see people far from God raise a true life. We're always encouraged to know God is changing lives through this ministry. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know and send an email to stories at wearetherising.com. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear a word from God. Hey, good morning. How you guys doing today? Okay. Not good at all. All right. Uh, man, that was weak. Hey, how you guys doing today? Okay, good, 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 man. Hey, uh, y'all like my sweatshirt? I hope so. Well, I just, I, see, I just, I'm not narcissistic. Uh, I, just, I just point that out because last week we did a volunteer rally for all of our volunteers. And uh, so we rented out the field guide, this restaurant here in downtown Norfolk. It was catered. Everything was provided. But we wanted to honor our volunteers. And so we gave them all this sweatshirt for free. We said, hey, thank you guys so much for serving. And so that's why you should volunteer because you get cool stuff. And, uh, and you get treated right. We always want to make sure that we honor our volunteers. Real quick, could you just give it up for our volunteers? Because they, yeah, because they take time. They get here. We get here every morning. So our volunteers, every other Sunday, get here at 7.50 in the morning to set up this environment. And it's because of what they do that they create irresistible environments that you say, man, I love this church. I want to come back. I want to invite people. It's because of our volunteers and what they do that, that this is possible. And so we just wanted to honor them last week. We gave them this shirt. We gave them a cool notebook. And, and, and we treated them well. But I want to tell you about this sweatshirt. Uh, we are actually going to sell this sweatshirt now. Uh, See, so if you're a volunteer and you came to the rally, you get it for free. But we're going to be selling this uh, next week, one time only, for $20. Uh, that is below cost. After that, it's going to go up to $35, which is what it costs us. And so if you need, like, a Christmas gift for the person that you really love, because this is a great sweatshirt. It's cool. Uh, if you need a Christmas gift for them and you haven't gotten it, next week we're going to be selling these. There's only, only a few left, so make sure to get that. But I just wanted to, to let you know about that. And then, because you're going to see people wearing it, and you'll be like, I want to be awesome looking too. So anyway, hey, has there ever been a time in your life where, where you were looking for something and you just couldn't find it? Like you knew it was there, it was somewhere around, but you looked and you looked and you looked and you just couldn't find it. And so eventually you enlisted somebody else to help you out and they started looking and they said, oh, well, it's right here, it's right in front of your face. Has that ever happened to you? Y'all don't leave me up here all, all by myself on the stage. I know this has happened to somebody, right? Like, like I'll be looking for something at our house and I'm not a very patient looker. Like I'll, I'll look around for, for a bit in our house, like 10 seconds. And if I can't find something, and, and I don't move stuff around either. I just hope it's gonna jump right out at, at me. Like I'm just looking, I'm like, and if I can't find it, I'll say, hey, Irene, have you seen whatever? And then she'll say, oh yeah, it's right in front of your face. It's like, Yes, it is. It is right in front of my face. It was there the whole time, and I missed it. Like, there are times I'll be looking for my phone, and uh, I'm not smart enough to call it or search for my iPhone app or whatever. And uh, so I'm, like, tearing up the house, looking all over the place for my phone, and then I discover it was in my pocket the whole time. Is that anybody else? I know I'm not the only stupid one in here. Come on now, right? And see, there's times, too, we're like, I'll be at the grocery store, and I'm looking around for something, and I know it's on this aisle. It has to be on this aisle. It only makes sense that it's on this aisle. And I go up and down the aisle trying to find this thing that I'm looking for, and I can't find it. And so I've spent 10 minutes there looking for this thing, and I say, fine, I'm going to find someone who works here who can help me. And then I spend 20 minutes finding somebody who can help me, and then I finally find them. I say, hey, I've been looking for this thing. Can you show me where it is? And they say, well, it's on aisle eight. I say, no, it's not on aisle eight. 
because I lived on aisle eight for 10 minutes looking for this thing. It is not there. They said, no, it's on aisle eight. Here, I'll show you. And they walked me over there, and there it is right in front of my face. You know, sometimes we can have something right in front of our face the whole time, and we miss it. You know, we've been in this series called The Day Everything Changed, and uh, we're talking about different days in the life and ministry of Jesus where everything changed. And so two weeks ago, we talked about the day that Jesus was born. We're about to celebrate the birth of Jesus and, and, and just next week. Uh, but we said that the day Jesus was born was the day everything changed because it marked the moment when God put on flesh and entered into human history, that God lived among us. The day Jesus was born was the day everything changed because it let you and I know that God is not some distant foreign concept out there swirling around in the cosmos, but God is here with us. He made his home with us, and God knows us. He, he's with us in our problem, in our situation, in our pain, and God is with us. And so because of that, because God came to be with us, it changes everything. And we know today that God is with us and we're not alone. And so that changed everything. But another day that changed everything was the day that Jesus was crucified. And we looked at that last week. Um, the reason why the day Jesus was crucified changed everything is because when Jesus died on the cross, he became our sacrifice. He became our savior. He took our sin, our regret, everything wrong with us on himself. And when Jesus died on the cross, our sin died with him. It was on that day that all of us were forgiven and all of us were given the gift of relationship with God if we would just reach out and accept it by believing in him, by being baptized into him. And so the day everything changed was the day Jesus was born and the day Jesus died. But the day that we're looking at today is the day that all of Christianity hangs on. If the events that took place on this day did not happen, then Christianity is pointless and we're all wasting our time here. The day that we're looking at today is the day of the resurrection the day Jesus rose again from the dead. You know, there, there's a lot of people uh, throughout human history who have claimed to be really great things, right? Like there's a lot of great people who have lived through human history. There's also a lot of great people who have done a lot of great deeds through human history, a lot of great people who have taught a lot of great things through human history, and, and, and again, people who have claimed amazing things. There are even some people in human history who have claimed to be God, Right? Like, Jesus wasn't the only person who claimed to be God. Uh, there were the, the Roman emperors claimed to be God. The, the emperors of Japan claimed to be God. The, the pharaohs of Egypt claimed to be God. There are even people recently in our history who have claimed to be God. People like Krishna Venta, Sun Myung Moon, Jim Jones, David Koresh, Charles Manson. All these people have claimed to be God, not just Jesus. And, and, and if you heard somebody claim to be God... Typically, your initial reaction would probably not be like, well, then lead the way, Lord. I will follow wherever you want, right? No. Like, if you hear somebody say that they're God, you're going to be like, okay, you need to take a trip to the psych ward, right? Because, like, only crazy people claim to be God. Crazy people and, and narcissistic people and, and power-hungry people, right? These are the people who claim to be God, and, and God claims to be God. But, but the thing is, if, if you're going to claim to be God... I need some evidence, right? Like, I'm not just going to take you at your word. Like, I know you said that you're God, but I need you to back that up, bro. <laughs> like, could you just give me a little bit of evidence? Because without evidence, I'm not following you. If you don't have evidence to the claim that you're God, then I'm not going to listen to you. So if somebody claims to be God, then they need to have some evidence. They need to back that up. 
somehow. And the thing with Jesus is that he actually backed up his claim to be God. Jesus gave us evidence that he was who he said he was. See, some of the evidence that, that Jesus gave us was this. Jesus taught a lot of really great things. But the thing is, other people have taught really great things as well. But, but, but he gave us more evidence, not just teaching great things, but Jesus actually performed miracles. But, but, but the thing with that is that, that other people have performed miracles as well. But what's unique about Jesus is that Jesus did something no one else ever did, and Jesus gave us evidence that no one else ever gave us, and that's that Jesus rose again from the dead. That Jesus died, and then three days later, he rose again from the dead. And it's different from other resurrection accounts that we have in history, because when Jesus rose again from the dead, he rose himself from the dead. Like, we see events and stories where people are risen, raised from the dead, but Jesus raises them, or someone else raises them, but Jesus is the only person who rose from the dead on his own accord. The the other thing that's different with Jesus and and other resurrection stories that you may hear is that a lot of resurrection stories center around mythological Greek, Roman, and Egyptian gods, these gods that didn't really exist. But the thing with Jesus is he was an actual person who lived on this earth. He was a historical figure. We know that he lived on this earth, and so he's the only historical figure who rose again from the dead on his own power, and that's evidence. Like, if you want to prove to me that you're God, raised from the dead. (laughs) Because I'll listen to you then. I've never done that one before, okay? And so if you can rise from the dead, hey, I'm going to listen to what you have to say. And And so Jesus shows us, he gives us the evidence in the resurrection that he really is God. And so today we're going to be looking at this resurrection and how something that happened 2,000 years ago actually impacts us today, how it changes how we live today. Throughout the series, we've been looking at uh, two different books in Scripture. Uh, The book of Isaiah, that's found in the Old Testament. Isaiah was an Old Testament prophet who prophesied to the nation of Israel. He also said a lot of prophecies about the Messiah who was going to come, this sent one of God, this Savior. And what he was referring to was Jesus. He He was talking about Jesus 700 years before Jesus ever lived on this earth. And so he prophesied about the Messiah. And then uh, we've been looking at this book, the book of Luke in the New Testament, which is a narrative of the life and ministry of Jesus. And we've seen that in the book of Luke, Jesus fits the description of a lot of what Isaiah says 700 years before. And so today I want to take a look at what Isaiah said. If you have a Bible, would you open up to Isaiah chapter 53? And we're going to start in verse 11, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 11. Also, we'll have the words for you on the screen, uh, but Isaiah chapter 53, starting in verse uh, 11. It says, after he has suffered, and again, Isaiah is talking about this Messiah, this sent one of God who was to come. After he has suffered, uh, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Verse 12, therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Now, there's, there's a lot of big words here, uh, iniquity, intercessors, transgressions, but basically what Isaiah is saying is that this Savior who was going to come, 700 years before Isaiah is writing it, this Savior who was going to come, he's going to suffer, he's going to die, and we see that that's the crucifixion that we see in, in the book of Luke. And, and, and so he says, 
that this Savior is going to come, and he's going to be the intercessor. He's going to be the one to intercede on our behalf. He's going to stand in the gap between us and God. He's going to be the one to represent us, and this is what Jesus does, that, that he, would, he would make a way for the transgressors, that he would die for the transgressors. He would bear our iniquities. We are the transgressors. We have transgressed against God. We have all rebelled against God. We've all sinned. We've all done something wrong, and so Isaiah is saying that this Messiah is going to come, and he's going he's gonna to make things right. And that's what Jesus does on the cross. He takes our sin on himself. He dies the death we deserve so that we could have a relationship with God. But then uh, in, in verse 11, he says uh, that this one who's going to suffer, that he's going to see the light of life and be satisfied. So he says after he has suffered, this is the crucifixion, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. Now, I don't know about you, but typically when I think about someone dying, like Jesus died on the cross, Jesus was crucified, when I think about somebody dying, I don't think about them seeing light, right? Because when you die, you don't see light, you see darkness, because you can't see anymore. At least I would just imagine, I mean, I've never done it before, but like you see darkness, right? But he says he will see the light, the light of life. See, when you die, you see death, you experience death. Why? Because you're dead. But he says that this Savior will experience the light of life. What Isaiah is referring to is the resurrection here, that this Savior, this sent one of God, the one who's going to redeem us, wouldn't just die, but he would rise again from the dead. And so I want to take a look at the actual event of Jesus' resurrection. It's in Luke chapter 24. And so if you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 24. And we're going to start in verse 1, Luke 24, verse 1. We'll also have the words for you on the screen. It says this, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. Uh, now, r- real quick, what had happened was Jesus died on a Friday, all right? Uh, he was crucified on a Friday. He died later that Friday evening. He was taken down off of the cross, and he was placed in a tomb, and he was placed in the tomb rather hastily. The, the, the reason is because the next day, Saturday, is the Sabbath, the Jewish Sabbath, where Jews observe uh, the truth that God created the world in six days and then he rested on the seventh. And so on the Sabbath, Saturday, they would rest and do no work. And so uh, when they go to bury Jesus, they go to put him in this tomb, they don't have time to properly prepare his body for uh, burial. And so it's on Sunday that these women are coming with these spices to properly prepare his body now because they're observing the Sabbath. And so Jesus died on a Friday, and when Jesus died on the cross, Jesus was dead, okay? Uh, it may seem obvious, but, but I say that because sometimes people will push back on the resurrection and say, maybe Jesus never rose again because maybe he never died in the first place. Like, perhaps Jesus, when he was on the cross, because he suffered so much, perhaps he just passed out. Like, maybe he just suffered from shock and he passed out. And so they took him down off the cross, they put him in the grave, and then he woke up, and then he walked out, and then they said, oh, the resurrection. But, but the problem with that is that when Jesus died on the cross, he died. <laughs> and we know that you can read about it in John chapter 19, because what we see is that the Roman soldier that's assigned to watch over Jesus, before he's ever taken off the cross, the Roman soldier who's trained in killing, the Roman soldier who's been on the battlefield, the Roman soldier who knows when people are dead, just to make sure Jesus died, he takes his spear and he plunges it in Jesus' side. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he was dead. 
And so he was taken off the cross, and he was put in this tomb. He was buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And uh, what's interesting is that in Luke chapter 23, before what we just read, he includes this detail, Luke 23, 55. We won't have this on the screen. It says, the women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. So Jesus died on Friday, and he was put in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. The same women who come on Sunday see the tomb, they see where he was laid, and they see where he was buried. It's really important to note that, that Luke gives us that detail, because sometimes people who push back on the resurrection say, maybe the women went to the wrong tomb, right? They, they go to the wrong tomb. They go to a tomb, and there's no body, and they say, oh, Jesus is alive. He's not here. The, the problem with that, though, is if, if you lived back then and, and um, you experienced this and someone said, oh, uh, he's alive, you would just say, no, honey child, that's the wrong tomb. <laughs> here, let's go three doors down, and here he is right here in this tomb, right? Like, like, so, so, so sometimes people will push back and say, maybe Jesus didn't die, or maybe they went to the wrong tomb. But, but, but the problem with that is that they don't really stand up. They, they, they don't really hold weight. And so, so Jesus is buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, and then a huge stone is rolled in front of it. The stone is then sealed, and then a Roman guard is uh, commanded to stand watch there. A Roman guard would consist of at least four soldiers. And so there's four soldiers standing watch at the tomb of Jesus. The reason for this is because the religious leaders and, 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 and the, the Jewish Pharisees who were responsible uh, for accusing Jesus and handing him over to be uh, crucified said, there was some rumors about a resurrection. And we just want to make sure his disciples don't come and steal the body. So let's seal the tomb and let's have a guard stand watch so they can't steal the body and say, hey, he's not here anymore. And so the Roman guards are standing there. The tomb is sealed and it's on Sunday morning that the women arrive with spices to prepare Jesus' body. But then verse two, it says that they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stepped beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, mother, uh, Mary, the mother of James, and the others from, uh, with them who told this to the apostles. Verse 11. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Uh, now, this makes sense, right? I mean, just imagine, you're grieving for, for a, a loved one, a friend, a relative. They've just died. It's fresh. It's recent. You're in the room. You're grieving over this loss. And then all of a sudden, these people burst in the room, and they're frantic, and they're excited, and they're saying how your dead loved one isn't dead, but they're alive, that they didn't die, right? Like, you'd be insulted by this, right? Like, what, what do you mean? No, don't, don't say that. that. That doesn't happen because dead people don't come back from the dead. You'd be insulted. But also, it, it doesn't make sense. And I get it for the disciples if they felt that way, the, the followers of Jesus, when these women came in. But, but the problem is that wasn't all they knew. 
Like, it, it wasn't just, here's this loved one who's, who's died and now we're, we're mourning his death. But see, they knew a lot more than, than, than what we read here. See, see, Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus ever rose from the dead, said that it was going to happen. And then Jesus, before he was ever betrayed and crucified and rose from the dead, he told his disciples, he told them that it was going to happen. He, he said, this is going to happen. And then these women come and they say, hey, it, it's happened. We've seen it. He's not there anymore. Jesus is alive. And yet they, they still don't believe. See, the evidence is right in front of their face, but they miss it. See, sometimes we can have something right in front of us and still miss it. And then verse 12, though, Peter is intrigued by this. And it says, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Uh, I know what happened. Jesus rose from the dead. That, I mean, Peter, that's what happened, right? Like, Peter, look, look, look. I, I get it. Peter, if, if all you knew was that Jesus died on the cross, but you know so much more than that, Peter. Come on. Peter, look, look, look. Isaiah said it 700 years before it ever happened. He, he gave some, some, some prophecy there. There's some evidence. And then, and then Jesus even told you but before it happened. He said that this would happen this way. And then the women have come, and they've told you what they've seen. The evidence is right there. And now you've gone to the tomb yourself, and you see the strips of linen. You see the evidence in front of your face, and you're wondering what had happened. See, sometimes we can have something right in front of our face and still miss it. And Luke continues to record the events of that day. Verse 13, now that same day. Two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were walking with each other, uh, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. See, he, he was a prophet. He was, he was powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. But the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped Oh, we had hoped, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. But, but in addition, some of our women, they, they amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. And they came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. See, Isaiah said it 700 years before. Jesus said it before he ever experienced his betrayal, crucifixion, and resurrection. He said that it was going to happen. The, the women went and saw the empty tomb, and it was confirmed by angels. And then Peter went, and he saw the evidence. And now for these two, Jesus is standing right in front of them, and they still can't see him. 
they still miss it. Like for these two, I think the reason why they miss it is because they're focused on something else. You remember in verse 17, it says that their faces were downcast, and the thing that they brought up was the crucifixion. Like that was the thing that they were focused on, on, on the crucifixion, on, on what had happened, something that was in the past, and the risen Jesus is right there in front of them, and they can't see him because they're focused on something else. Hey, I wonder for you today, like, like you've been coming to church for a bit, um, you've heard the story of Jesus, maybe you've heard sound bites about the Savior throughout your life. Some of you, like you've heard the gospel message so many times, like you would just, <sighs> yeah, yeah, I know about that one. And you just yawn as you hear, yeah, yeah, Jesus loves me, he died again, uh, or he, he, he died and he rose again, yeah, yeah, I know all about it, it's all old, yeah, I get it. So, so, some of us, we just take it for granted, this truth that God loves us, that he rose again from the dead, that he gave his life for us, and the, but, but, but some of you, like, maybe this is this. Maybe this is the first time that you've heard this, that, that, that Jesus died and he rose again. But, but, but so often, we can have something right in front of our face and miss it. I, I, I wonder, for, for many of you today, if the resurrected Jesus is standing in front of you today and he's offering you life, right? Like he's offering you a better Life. I believe that today for many of you, Jesus is standing right in front of you and saying, look, I'm here. I'm offering you something better. I'm offering you something greater. Not some ritualistic religion where you just kind of come and you check the box and say, okay, I did the church thing and now back to life as normal. No, because Jesus stands in front of many of us and he says, I have a greater life. I have a better life. I have meaning and purpose that I'm offering you. I'm here. I'm giving it to you. And yet what we elect to do oftentimes is simply exist in our life, right? Because I mean, think about it. If Jesus really rose from the dead, then he has the power to help you rise up out of the debt that you're in, right? Like if Jesus really conquered the grave, then he has the power to help you conquer the addiction that you're suffering through right now. If Jesus really did, if he is bigger than death, then Jesus is bigger than your insecurity, and he can overshadow the negative self-talk that you give to yourself. If Jesus really did resurrect, then Jesus has the power to resurrect your dying marriage, right? And I wish somebody would get excited about that, but no, no, no. Because, I mean, think about it. If Jesus, I wish I had an alive church, that's what it, if Jesus really did rise from the dead, that changes everything, right? Like, like there is power in the resurrection. And, and, and Jesus stands before us, and he offers us that power, that resurrection kind of life. But so many of us, we miss it because, because we're focused on something else. Right? Like, like for some of you, like, like you have questions about God, and, and, and I don't really know if I can accept Jesus, if I can give my life to Jesus, because what about the dinosaurs, right? Like, where did they go? They're all extinct, and, and how did that ever happen? And you got questions about the dinosaurs, but the risen Savior is standing in front of you, and he's offering you freedom from your addiction, but you won't grab hold of that freedom that he's giving you because you're wondering about the dinosaurs, right? Like Jesus is, is standing in, in front of you, and he offers you a new identity, 
right, to, to overcome your past and the things that you were told and the way that you're living now. He offers you something greater, but, but you're so focused on, but there was a guy who was swallowed by a fish and he was in his belly for three days and that doesn't happen and how did that happen? And I got questions about the fish guy. And so because of that, you're distracted. You don't see the risen Savior right in front of you offering you a new identity. Here, let's focus on Jesus. Let's focus on the resurrected Savior who stands in front of you, and then we can talk about the dinosaurs, okay? I've never met a person who said, okay, good, there we go. Because look, I've never met a person who said, hey, you answered all my questions about dinosaurs, now I want to accept Jesus, right? Like I've, I've met with a lot of people, and I could probably answer all the questions that you have, most of them at least, but if I answer all your questions, I don't think you'll get to a point where you say, okay, yeah, I think I'll follow Jesus. No, like often we miss the resurrected Savior who's right in front of us because we're distracted by things that don't even matter, are those things important? Do, should, we, should we blindly believe no? Those things are important, yes, but that's not the main thing. The main thing is that there is a resurrected Savior, and there's evidence that points to his resurrection. He stands before you, and he says, I want to give you life. I want to give you freedom. I want to give you something greater. But often, even though he's right before us, even though we're surrounded by it, because you've seen life change in people's lives. You've seen the stories that we've shown. You've, you've, you've heard of life change happening in your friends and your family. But for some reason, you won't reach out and see the Savior in front of you. You won't reach out and accept the gift that he gives you. There's something where you're just saying, I don't know if I can believe. You haven't been baptized yet. And Jesus is standing in front of you today saying, I offer you life. I offer you freedom. I offer you something greater. Would you just reach out? And grab a hold of it. And we'll keep going. Uh, Luke chapter 24, verse uh, 25. He, he said to them, how foolish you are. <laughs> I'm right in front of you. The evidence has been there the whole time. How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to, to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11, and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke bread. See, Isaiah said it 700 years before. Jesus said it before it ever happened. The women saw it, were told by angels. Peter saw the evidence. These two discovered it, and they go to the 11. See, I think, I think Jesus is in front of each and every one of us, but we don't see him often. We miss him because we don't open our eyes. Like, I believe Jesus has something greater for you. He wants to give you a greater life. He wants to show you more of who he is, and he's showing that to you, but you're not seeing it because you're not opening your eyes, 
right? Like, like we see Jesus when we open our eyes. It's when we come here with open eyes and, and we have expectant attitudes and we say, God, show me what you want me to get today. God, show me what you want to do in my life today. Show me who you want me to be. It's when we come with an expectant attitude, not like, well, I'm going to go to church and do my thing. No, no. But, but we come and we're desperate and we say, God, I need you. And so when we sing, like the words that, that come off the screen, we say, that's me. I need you, God. You, you're risen. You're my Savior. And I'm giving my all to you. Like we come in desperation. And it's when we come opening our eyes with expectant attitudes, leaning in and saying, God, what do you have for me today that will begin to see what God wants in us? Not, not when we just, yeah, not, not when we just show up. Not when we just show up and, all right, entertain me, God. Do something cool. No, 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 no. So we open our eyes that we really see God. Verse 36 says, while they were still talking about this, Jesus stood among them. <laughs> and now Jesus is among them. <laughs> Peace be with you. And they were startled and frightened, thinking they had seen a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. Verse 41. And while they still did not believe, and while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. And he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Isaiah said it 700 years ago, before Jesus ever came to earth. 700 years before it happened. Jesus said it before it ever happened. Uh, the women saw it. It was confirmed by angels. Peter saw the evidence. These two saw it. And now Jesus is right in front of them. And still, some of them don't believe it. He's right in front of them, and yet they're missing it. And so I don't know where you are in your faith journey today. But if you still have doubts, if you're still not sure... You're not the only one. Uh, there are people who had way more evidence than you do right now, and they still had doubts. But I want to encourage you, would you open your eyes? Would you look around? Would you see what the resurrected Savior is doing, how he's changing people's lives and what he wants to offer you? Because if we live from this truth that the tomb is empty, then that changes everything for us. Like if you live out the truth that the tomb is empty... That changes everything, doesn't it? I mean, think about it. The, the, the tomb is empty. We serve a risen Savior. We serve a resurrected King. And, and, and so the tomb is empty, and that informs how I live. That informs who I am. Be, because the tomb is empty, right? like, like, like why, why am I going to get mad when somebody cuts me off in traffic? The tomb is empty. Right? Why, why get frustrated when my drink is taking too long at Starbucks? It might just be because I'm late already, and I should have never stopped for a drink in the first place, but I don't need to get frustrated because the tomb is empty, right? So when I go out to eat, I'm tipping 20% at least. Why? Because the tomb is empty. Yeah, like, like, hey, honey, let's get a babysitter for the kids. We're going out and celebrating. Why? Because the tomb is empty, I'm going to invest in my kids. Why? Because the tomb is empty. I'm going to give my best at work. Why? Because the tomb is empty. Like the, because the tomb is empty, it informs who we are. It informs how we live. Like I'm, 
of, of course, God, I'm going to bring back the tithe to you. Yes, I'm going to give back 10% of everything that comes in because that's what you called me to do. And the tomb is empty. Like, of course I'm going to serve at the church that I love. Why wouldn't I serve here? Because the tomb is empty. Like, the empty tomb informs everything we do. That should be what we live from. The tomb is empty. It should be so evident in your life that the people at your work say, what is up with you? Like, you are, what? You have joy. You have me. You have, what is it? And you say, oh, really? You want to ask? I don't think you want to ask. You want to ask? All right. Well, the tomb is empty. That's why. That's why I live this way, because the tomb is empty. And it informs how I live. It informs who I am. When I think about this truth that the tomb is empty, I think about the Moak people in Papua New Guinea. Back in 1983, the year that I was born, 31 years ago, some missionaries went over to share Jesus with the Moak people. And uh, it took them a long time. They laid a great foundation, but they were telling them the story of how, how Jesus came and he, and he died for us. And, and they were telling them about the crucifixion. And as they were talking to them about the crucifixion, it was visible. The people's faces were sad. They were downcast. And they were, like, sorrow just consumed them that this man, Jesus, their Savior, was dead. But there's more to the story. There's more to the story. Because he didn't stay dead. And then they started to tell them about the resurrection. They said, not only did Jesus die, but he rose again from the dead. And when Jesus rose again from the dead, he offers you life. He offers you something greater. Jesus conquered the grave. And then the people discovered that they could have their sins forgiven, that they could have a relationship with God. When they discovered that, they began to celebrate. They started rejoicing. And for two and a half hours, they celebrated. They jumped up and down. They shouted. They were excited because the tomb is empty. They were excited because we serve a risen Savior. We serve a resurrected King. You can go and pay homage at the various places where Buddha's cremated remains are. You can go visit the burial place where Muhammad is and you can see where he's buried. You can go to the graveyard in China where Confucius is buried, but not Jesus. You can go to his grave, and there's nobody there. He's not there because he's alive. See, he didn't plan on staying in the grave very long. He only stayed for three days, Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday morning. And on Sunday morning, Jesus got up, took off the burial clothes, kicked the stone out of the way, walked out, put a vacancy sign on the outside of the tomb because the grave can't hold God. The grave can't hold God, and Jesus is alive. Jesus is risen, and Jesus is resurrected, and that changes everything. I wish you get up and clap. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray you are inspired and encouraged by today's message. For more information on The Rising, visit We Are